Welcome back to the show. It's Evelyn, your host. So good to be with you. I wanted to give a little precursor to today's episode. Um, I have my friend Megan come on and she actually is a career coach and counselor. She's also um, a licensed therapist as well. And we're talking all around values. And I realized at the end of the show, and I felt like it was a little too late, um, that we should maybe give some ideas right up front of what values could look like and be like for you in your life. It may sound simple um, or basic to say, well, live by your values. But what I really have found in my own experience as a coach is that often people don't really truly know what their values are. Um, and it's it's very common. So if you actually think about what is important to you, what are your values? Have you really sat down and figured out what those are and what they look like? So we talk a lot in this episode around values, but I wanted to give you some examples of what values could look like just as a list, a running list. And I will also include a link in the show notes Um, to a values assessment. So you can kind of do some comparison and really get down to the bottom of it. Because what I have found and what we also discussed in the episode is that in order to live a life on your terms, it's important that you know what your values are so that you can figure out what boundaries need to look like for you, where you're headed ultimately. um, And there's a whole other conversation in an episode that I could do all around success. A lot of times people say, I want to be successful in my life. And without getting too in depth here, you know, how do you know you're being successful in your life if you're not sure what your values are? Um, Because success ultimately looks different to every person. So those are going to be driven by the things that you value in your life and prioritize. So a few ideas of what values could look like are family, adventure, kindness, connection, learning, Uh, contributing, generosity, entertainment could be one, wealth, cooperation, justice, encouragement, forgiveness, charisma, involvement, faith, leadership, renewal, contentment, peace, friendship, enjoyment, self-respect, reciprocity. Now, All of these things are probably, you're probably going, well, all of those things are great. I like them all, but actually getting clear on what is most valuable to you is going to help ground and center you to make all the decisions in your life easier. Um, So without further ado, let's hop into the episode with Megan and I hope that you enjoy and um, figure out more about what is important to you and how to navigate that. Welcome back to the show. I have my good friend Megan here with me. Megan, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and say hi, and then we'll get rolling. All right, sounds great. Thanks for having me, Evelyn. Um, my name is Megan Myers. I am a career coach. I own my own business. I also subcontract as a career coach. And then uh, I am also a licensed therapist. So I work uh, most of the time as a licensed therapist. Amazing. And I, I invited Megan here because she has such a beautiful spirit and soul. So calming. And, um, we, we met a few months ago and so she's based in Asheville, North Carolina, beautiful North Carolina. And, um, I would love to know Megan, what, what led you to what you're doing now? How did you get to career coaching? Well, I guess I I had always known I wanted to work in some sort of service aspect with people. And it was a roundabout way that I found that I wanted to do that and how I wanted to use that um, kind of skill to to help people. I, do you want the long story or the short story? (laughs) I want whatever story is the juiciest one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, I guess kind of a snapshot of that would be I started out in school in marketing. I I didn't really feel like I was able to 
connect with people and help people in the way that I would have liked through that. And so I went into human resources thinking that would fulfill that part of me. And just personally, it wasn't fulfilling that part of me. Um, I felt like something was missing when I was in those types of roles. I felt like I wasn't able to give in a way that I would like. And I felt limited, I guess, to some extent of how I was connecting with people. And kind of through a series of um, planned and unplanned events, I was laid off um, actually twice. And then I made, you know, did some research on changing careers. And I, I looked into counseling and coaching and um, ended up deciding that career coaching is something that I just felt really called to do. I love helping people find the jobs that they truly enjoy. Um, I don't believe that there's one job soulmate out there for everyone. I think there's multiple jobs that can be a good fit, but I, uh, I really love helping people in that way. And I found I was the person who was always asking people, not as a status symbol, but like just out of genuine curiosity, I was always asking people, what do you do? What do you like about it? Um, uh, you know, and, and trying to figure that out. And so I ended up moving in that direction after um, kind of a roundabout path. I love that. What is your favorite thing about what you do? I would say between the two different jobs, I'm able to fulfill a lot of different parts of my interests. Um, I'm able to connect with people about their futures and their goals and their careers, which I really love. And I'm able to also help people with pain and suffering that they might be dealing with or coping with. And so um, I would say my favorite part is meeting and connecting with new people. And I don't know how often this gets said, but I feel like even as a therapist or a coach, I learn from the people that I'm working with um, so much. I I don't think, you know, they always realize, like my clients always realize the impact that they have on me. And, um, you know, I think about them a lot and I care about them and I've, I've grown from working with them too. So I think it's a kind of a mutually beneficial relationship in a way. Yeah. Is there um, a significant story or something that was deeply act impactful that you've been thinking about lately or something that has really enriched your life um, in one of those exchanges? I guess kind of talking about it more as a whole, um, I've learned I think that working with people has helped me take a step back in my own life and realize how connected we are in our experiences and how many people are dealing with similar challenges, whether it be dealing with depression or anxiety or something, you know, even, you know, something complex like that, um, or, you know, dealing with concerns about their future and feeling like we have to have the solution right away. And I, I'm a, I tend to be, or I have been in the past, I think more of a, I don't love this word, but more of a perfectionist quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And so I think in working with people and through some of these experiences, um, just seeing common struggles has helped me step back and slow down in my own life and not feel so pressured to be solution oriented all of the time. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking about is just that a lot of times people come to therapy and coaching for solutions. And sometimes it's, there's not one solution and it's not readily apparent. There's yeah. more work to be done. And so, um, I guess they, you know, working with people has really helped me slow down. Yeah. And, you know, 
you and I had discussed what we wanted to talk about here today. And in the theme of slowing down, what something we wanted to discuss was values and how people discover their values, um, how they create boundaries around those values. Um, a question that came up in mind too, I, I guess, do you think the value has to supersede the boundary? Like, do you think the value comes first before the boundary or is it ever the other way? In my mind, it would be values first. Mm-hmm. Vanilla I, that lies. Yeah, I like how you describe that. I I was thinking too, like how to describe my values and I don't always feel like I have words for them. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's just a gut instinct. Um, and so for me, if I feel like I am leaning into my values, I feel it more at peace. I feel less anxious. Um, I feel um, more confident. Mm-hmm. And if I am doing something that feels outside of my values, I think then I'm oftentimes probably pushing one of my own boundaries like you said, so my values kind of come first and then the boundaries. And the way that I know that isn't, it's more somatic, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily always like a a thought first. It's like a pit in my stomach. I just feel like something feels off. Maybe I feel a little on edge. And, And that's when I know like something about this doesn't feel right to my in my values and and I'm probably going outside of a boundary that I've set for myself or that I feel comfortable within um and I would say it's different than pushing yourself in the good way like the kind of excited on edge feeling it's like um more of a, a kind of icky pit in your stomach kind of feeling yeah so when I imagine too, that that's something that you have to explore often with clients who are coming to you to seek more solutions and more direction. Is that common? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'll talk with people a lot about their values, what um, feels important to them, because sometimes I think it's easier to figure out our values and figure out what's important to us than figure out the answer to a question like, where do you want to be in five years? Like that changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's easier to figure out, am I leaning into my values? Is this decision aligned with my values? Um, Does this path fit in with my values? That for me, at least personally, feels easier to answer than, you know, a a more um, broad question like, where do you want to be or, what, what's the best job that, or what's the job that's the best fit for you in the next 10 years? Um, I I personally can't even answer that question right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my personality like rejects all of that. I'm like, "Mm, that's, I don't know what I'm doing this afternoon. I don't, Yeah. like, that's not, (laughs) unless I have a project I'm like really gung-ho about. It's very rare. Um, I enjoy novelty so much in my life that it's hard to pin that down. So mm-hmm. um, I'm curious too. So I, for someone who may feel like they don't have a concept, maybe like an actual concept of what their values are, maybe we could talk about some examples of what those look like and how you figure out what your values are. Yeah, for sure. Um So my friends make fun of me for this uh, because I'm very visual and I come up with like very weird analogies for things. Mm -hmm. And I talked about like probably four or five years ago, I was like life pie. Life is made up of pie and all these slices of pie. And and they're like, Megan, what are you talking about about pie? Um, And uh, so for your values, I do though, in a way, just because I am a more visual person, imagine a pie chart. And I imagine all these different things that come into our life that feel important to us. Um, Some people like to imagine a pie chart. Some people imagine like a series of Venn diagrams or things overlapping. And, um, you know, each one, I think like hobbies, work, maybe family, different things like that might be part of your values. Um, 
all of these things come in to make up your life. So I'll have people draw that out. What, how much each thing takes up in their life, uh, how, you know, the percentage of the pie chart that they feel like that thing takes up in their life. And then I have them write out why those things are important to them. So um, maybe, you know, if volunteering is part of their pie chart, that fulfills like a value of service. Um, if um, freelance work or owning their own business is part of their pie chart, that fulfills a value of autonomy. Um, and I think people, I, I've even hopped online and just Googled values. Um, I have this kind of card sort that I'll sometimes play with people um, and I'll lay out values and, and they can look at it um, and it has something crazy like a hundred some values. It's called the one core values and we'll just look at them and talk about them and how they show up for people in their lives. But the kind of talking about what each piece of your life represents to you, I feel like that feels helpful at least for me and understanding other people and in a helpful way for me to articulate my values too. Yeah. So yeah. I actually was once certified, I'm not anymore because I didn't keep up with it, um, a career consultant for a company called Career Direct. And oh, cool. they actually have a really, I loved it for the assessment that you take before. And so what you did is you, you basically learn how to interpret people's results and take them through their assessment so that they could become more aware. And the bulk of the test, maybe like 50, 60% was focused on your personality because statistically um, it said that your personality over your lifetime only changes about 2%, which I was like, Ooh. that's crazy, but interesting, right? Um, and the last thing that they talked about was values and the least amount of time was spent on values because um, your values and your priorities change throughout your life. And I thought that was something um, important that I learned because I know that in different seasons of my life, there's been almost, uh, you know, when your priorities change, and you move, like, let's say you get married, for example, um, and autonomy is like one of, that is my top, like value. It has been mm -hmm. since I was a young child. I don't know if that's going to change, but balancing that with like an, a partnership is something that still I like butt up against even now I'm not married, <laughs> but like I go, I go, Ooh, like that's, that's interesting. So I wonder too, if that's common for people to come in and be almost a little bit at odds because their values have shifted and maybe they have to grieve, you know, that something has changed. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm hearing that and I'm like, oh, we have, it sounds like we have similar values. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think at certain times in life, there's points where we do maybe notice that our values don't line up with, um, don't line up exactly with the environment we're in, the people that we connect with, maybe the communities that we're a part of. And when that happens, you know, it, it could mean kind of shifting our connections so that we feel more aligned in our values. And I definitely think there's a grieving process in there. Um, when you say, I think of, when you say shifting connections, what do you mean? Um, shifting our energy to focus more on things that feel aligned with our values. So shifting the amount of time that we're spending, I think with um, people or things that don't feel aligned with their values. Yeah. And, you know, if that's, if, if that's something that, um, you know, that might be a harder change to make yeah. for some people. And um, I think of too, like people who I've worked with who have maybe shifted their political views or their religious views or, or different things that um, played a big part in their life prior 
Mm -hmm. And that resulted in changing, you know, their friendships and their communities and the circles that they traveled in. And with that came a lot of grief because they felt in a way that they were losing uh, these parts of themselves in a way that um, parts of themselves that were important previously. Um, maybe they still, you know, uh, cared about these people or these communities, but just found that it really didn't align with who they were as a person. Yeah. I relate to that actually like I felt myself getting a little emotional over that like I have tears you may not be able to see because I have glasses Mm. on right now but it's interesting because I actually I haven't released it yet but I did record a podcast with a friend of mine um, around just where we are in our faith and our faith journey we both come from backgrounds of um, I guess we both were southern baptist Um, (laughs) but just that journey and the trajectory of figuring out we don't know where we belong anymore and deconstructing that faith and feeling uh feeling that that sense of like I I remember I even uh like I'll never forget this but it was uh two years maybe two years ago I woke up and I was like it was an Easter and it was last year but I'd been feeling this way for a little while and I remember watching from online and thinking like, I don't feel like I belong here anymore and not knowing. So that's interesting too, because, and there was a lot of shame that came up for me initially. Um, and it's still, I guess for me, because it was such a big value in my life for so long, as far as orienting my life around that piece of my identity, being a Christian or a Christ follower Um, feeling like that was something I didn't recognize anymore and feeling like, well, gosh, I don't know where I belong. And then another piece of that same thing um, with even um, with my dad dying, Um, it really shifted a lot too. It's not that family hasn't been important to me. It is important to me. Um, but I think without the presence of his leadership in our family in so many ways, I felt like my family needed to become a higher priority and feeling um, feeling like a balance almost. Not, not that it was my responsibility that, that everything runs, but a responsibility to the health of those relationships and how we connect. Because I realized, you know, you don't know until you know, but I realized how much he was the glue in our family. And so that shifted some things for me too. So I love that you brought that up because it's been very real for me too. And to dance with, um, with breaking away or reorienting, not just maybe um, something that's in our head, but in our communities, because I hadn't really considered the, the loss of community or the shift in your relationship to community. And that's really powerful. Mm, I appreciate that you shared that. Um, Yeah, I, I know that probably was really hard to feel like you're kind of in a place of ambiguity too with your values. I, I work with a lot of people too, who want me to tell them what their values are. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't tell you what your own values are. In fact, I can't tell you anything about your life. You're the expert in your own life. But I, um, I feel like sometimes values, you know, we're traveling between values. We're not, we've, we haven't arrived at one or another. And that's kind of why I go back to that somatic kind of way of feeling out our values Mm -hmm. because it's not always so clear cut as being able to say I am um you know no longer a part of this community or I am this is exactly what I believe you know within this faith or within this way of kind of traveling through my life with my family this is exactly what I believe and how we should connect Um, you know, anytime you're working with people, things aren't so definitive. And so um, that's why sometimes I'll shift back just to this kind of 
um, tap, trying to tap in mindfully to how I'm feeling in my body to figure out, does this feel right or does this feel off? Does something feel off? Um, you know, does it feel off because I'm just uncomfortable with how things are and I want to be able to control things more or is something feeling off with my boundaries or my values? Um, yeah, I relate to kind of what you were saying a lot too about shifting how you relate to your family and community after someone passing. Um, yeah, after my dad passed, I feel like I wanted to, I felt like almost responsible for keeping everyone together and connected in my family. I, I remember telling my mom, I felt like everyone was siloed at one point. We all lived in different places and it was harder to stay connected. And we were all grieving in our own different ways. And um, that was a value I felt like I was supposed to have. It ended up not really being how I chose to kind of live into my values because it was, it, in the end, I felt like, you know, maybe I was going a little beyond my boundaries and taking on more responsibility or um, in some ways trying to control other people's emotions or how they emoted. And like, it was this weird time where I was trying to figure out what my value was in my family and how I showed up. And I just felt like I was, yeah, just in between a lot of values. I wasn't able to figure out exactly where I was at. And I feel a little bit more kind of, it's taken a, quite a few years, like this was six years ago. So um, I feel more kind of resolved, I guess, in my values now, more stabilized. Um, but I think things like that, like you brought up, um, can really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, I think big life events like that can make our values more tumultuous and, and really shake things up, make us question a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I appreciate too, the word you use am ambiguity, like ambiguous. Um, because I think, I, I can't speak for other cultures, but I guess in the Western world, I feel like there's a big emphasis placed on like, like you should know, or you should have this clear made path. Um, and what I have been learning over the last several years, I mean, I think even COVID like 2020 for me was very confronting um, because it, it really, it really allowed me to make peace, I guess, with a lot of the, the ambiguity I've had in my own career, um, and my own, um, evolution and my dance with creativity and what that looks like, um, because we were forced to almost focus in on, you know, ourselves. I love that Glennon, uh, Doyle Melton, well, it's not Doyle Melton anymore, Glennon Doyle. Um, when I came across her, she was married. So um, Glennon, she talks about that, uh, about how we went through this collective detox almost that we didn't ask for. <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways, I think that it was beneficial. I heard a statistic the other day around um, quality of life and families felt improved which I thought was interesting. Um, it's been such a taxing year on a lot of different fronts, the year of the pivot. <laughs> and, um, and so I would imagine too, that with that also collective experience that we've all had, again, um, being reminded of what's important to us or revisiting things that don't, that don't feel good anymore, you know, or people who have loved being at home or people who realize like, man, I really like, like to not be at home. <laughs> and so, you know, balancing what that looks like. Um, did you experience any shifts to around values or anything for you during the last year or two? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I feel like I had a lot of time to think, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I changed jobs, uh, career paths in a way during COVID. Um, I, after thinking about it a lot and um, actually working with my own career coach just to help me better identify my values, um, I felt like something was off in my values. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have quite as much autonomy as I would have liked. I um, didn't have flexibility as much as I would have liked. And I didn't feel like I was leaning into um, the direction that I wanted to go in. And so I shifted jobs and career paths. And then I also, um, yeah, I, I guess I thought a lot about free time and how I was spending my free time. Um, especially after being in school too. I, I went back to school uh, six years after being out of undergrad and I had been in a time of my life where I didn't have a lot of free time. So I'm learning again how to spend it and how to be protective of it. And I think COVID made me really think about, um, I keep going back to mindfulness because I think it's a new thing that I'm learning and it's helping me tap into my values better, but slow down, think about how I'm feeling. If I feel like I'm doing something that feels aligned with my values, if I feel like I'm doing something because I feel like I quote unquote have to do that thing, or if I really feel compelled to do it internally, um, you know, and then trying to balance my energy and notice how my energy is feeling throughout the week to be able to draw boundaries or say no to things to really feel like I'm able to prioritize my energy for the things that are important to me um, within my values. I feel like, I guess a short answer to that question would be COVID helped me better tap into my energy and notice my energy throughout the week because, you know, a lot of that was very emotionally draining. Yeah. What was the most difficult part of COVID for you? Um, I'm very extroverted. Uh, very much so. My partner is like a, the truest introvert you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, I miss connection. Um, I, I guess I've learned over time that I do like to grieve collectively. I thought I used to like to grieve individually and that's kind of shifted over time. And I felt like I missed the opportunity to grieve collectively kind of during COVID. Um, yeah. I saw some friends on, you know, virtually and things like that, but that's not quite the same. So um, yeah, and then I guess time, like the time passing to everyone's grieving that maybe, you know, if they had plans or different things for that time. But um, yeah, I would say the connection. Um, I felt a little bit of a hole there where I feel like I, um, you know, missed some of that. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, I think for me, it just gave me a lot more time to myself because I am also very extroverted and I think I give a lot to the relationships I have in my life. And so it really made me slow down in a lot of ways. And it, um, I had decided like in March of 2020 that I wanted to start putting together retreats um, because and for me, I, I love transformation. I just love it. I love when people can bring awareness and have those shifts. And I found that um, if you can move people into an environment and cultivate an environment of safety and, um, and, and put and give them experiences where they can meet themselves and um, have those experiences as a collective group there's something magical that really happens so I had decided this is what I want to do I want to start putting retreats together and put my flag out here and I'm very much like I love to be in person with people 
And then everything shut down and I was like, well, that's not cool. (laughs) And so I had to temper that, not to say that it will never happen, but um, it had to be put on hold. And I could have done virtual, but I was still in just a place that I'm like, that's just not energizing to me to think about right now. And, um, And I think that was too shortly after that or right before I had started looking for opportunities to subcontract coach. I had a business coach um, who I actually work for now. Her name's Emily Williams. And we had had this call and she was like, why don't you just coach for other people while you're still fleshing things out for yourself? And I was like, I literally never thought of that. And so that too was going on in March. And, um, and I had put out some feelers and was having conversations and all of those conversations stopped because everyone was like, whoa, what's happening here? Where are we headed? Everyone was just learning, you know, what is this going to look like? And so, um, again, that just paused. So again, I had lots of time and lots of space to, um, sit with and explore again, what's important to you and what does this look like? And, Um, yeah. So for me, in a lot of ways, it was the, it was a needed pause. I think, um, a collective almost sigh of like, Hey, you're doing all these things with other people. How about, how are you doing? What's going on here? So, um, yeah, so that was, um, it was a confronting time in some ways too, uh, just Mm -hmm. because, for me too, being such a people person and like you're mentioning, like being separated, it's just like, oh, this is the pits. So <laughs> not being able to touch people, you know, or be in proximity the way that you would like. And then for me too, I did have COVID. I had COVID back in July of 2020. And that actually, I, um, I missed my best friend's wedding because of it. I was supposed to sing and, um, and she ended up having a reception this year. So that was nice because we got to collectively celebrate um, and they did stream it. So I got to watch it, but that still something I feel like for the rest of my life that I'm just going to be sad over and I'm just okay with that like, <laughs> because it's something that I just, I can't change. And um, so yeah, it was, a it was definitely, and then with, with my dad dying too, that was super, uh, that was just a different, you know, I grew up being a pastor's kid and in a lot of times in ministry, just like in counseling, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of different things in life that are just hard or big. And so I'd been around grief for most of my life and with people just dealing with hard things and uh what I guess surprised me too through that time is just how much you don't know about grief until you're walking through something that like asks you to do that um (laughs) I was reminded actually yesterday that you know grief doesn't actually just have to be about a death you know, as we mentioned earlier, things shifting in your life or your ideas, ideology around who you are or, or what you want from your life shifts. There can be a grief over that, um, a grief over a job loss that was really important to you. Um, and I think normalizing that conversation is important as well of, of learning how to let people feel exactly how they're feeling and not trying to change it even because we're uncomfortable or we want to make it better and just realizing that most of the time it's just our presence and being willing to sit in that space um I have also I will say this it has been also comforting to me to know that I feel like I've handled grief a lot better than I ever knew like as far as walking with other people through it up to this point Um, and so, because there've just been moments to, um, and this is a total different direction than I expected, but that's fine. There was a, um, 
a book I read by Dr. Edith Egger. And I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. Have you heard of her? Oh, yeah. Definitely check her out because she um, is a survivor of the Holocaust and she's also a therapist. She mm. wrote two or three books. She's in her 90s. And she's super vibrant, um, but she writes about these like horrible things that she went through. And I mean, even after coming back and the grief of losing your family and, and like identity of like a whole cultural group, you know, coming back and people like being gone, um, things I'd never considered really also put things into perspective for me. But something she, um, she talked about in her book was how don't say, I know what you're going through. And I, re- I, I was like, because I kept feeling that way, you know, like, I get it. I know what you're going through. I lost him too. Or I, people outside of my family saying this to me, I mean, because my dad was a pretty well-known person I think people Mm -hmm. felt like they did and they were saying that from a place of care but it would make me so upset and the reason why because she gave me the words right because it invalidated my experience saying well I know how you feel and I was like that's exactly what it is because you don't and we never do Um, we never know the other person's perspective or unique lens or how it's affecting them because we're not them And so I think um, there's another great quote in there too. And she, or I think she says it in there. She says an interview I saw where she said, you know, it's not why me, it's what now. And I love that also in the, the conjunction with the value shifting, because it can feel confronting and it can feel isolating especially too, like we talked about with those groups of feeling like you don't belong or something has changed. And um, instead of getting into that place of almost, I'm a victim to my circumstance going, this thing has happened. And the reality is that it's hard, but I get to choose now what I want to do with that and how it's going to look for me. And some days it may not be pretty and some days it may be fine. Um, and recognizing too that how we navigate those spaces is completely ours as well and letting people have that full permission to experience those things Um, yeah so that was a lot a lot of different ways there (laughs) so yeah yeah. I I really like what you're saying about that Um, what now kind of it it also um, yeah, like each person has their own one now um, that we can't assume we understand anybody else's experience or their own values. They might describe them differently or they might um, use similar words but feel differently. Um, it's also unique. And so, yeah, I, I, the what now though versus the why me, I feel like it, the, the what now means sitting with discomfort. Um, versus kind of going back into like a a more protective space, not having to venture off into the unknown. And so I think the what now can feel a little bit more scary. It means being open to that ambiguity um, into possibilities. And um, yeah, I just, a lot of what we talk about in counseling is learning to sit with discomfort and sit with the unknown, not feeling that we have to change it immediately. And um, yeah, I hear a lot of that in your story too, of just sitting with that discomfort too and acknowledging it without having to like immediately fix it or shift it and see what you learn from it, what you take from it, um, you know, what, how you heal from it. Yeah. I guess that's also been something that I've had to learn how to do better because I'm extremely driven. And so feeling like I need to solve, like you were mentioning earlier, solve a problem or move towards a solution or what next. Um, And realizing, you know, this isn't a race. I get to decide. And if I'm feeling uh, burnt out 
or like I need to take a break or take a nap. Only very recently have I um, let myself like take a nap without feeling guilty about it. I'm not a huge napper. My boyfriend is. (laughs) And, um, And so like even growing up, I remember too, you know, when my mom would come home, I always had the impression to be busy, like be busy or you're seen as lazy. And so, um, but what I've recognized or am still recognizing is like, you don't have to keep moving in order to be productive. That's often not productive. Appearing busy is actually the enemy of productivity in a lot of ways, because you're just stuffing things in without checking in with your values. And so learning how, for me at least, to um, let more margin into my life as well, because I've recognized that that is something I really value. And as a creative, I need it. I need space to play and to think and to have space from other people and as much as I love being around them. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh slowly adding the value of rest and and different types of self-care and uh into your life yeah yeah there's I think certain values that society puts on us Mm. that we feel like we have to have and then we get to decide as we grow and change um what values we take you know maybe we take some values from our parents some values from society some values from the communities in our lives, but also what values we choose to not accept, um, what values we choose to kind of make our own and what we we want to have in our life. And um, yeah, we there, there's definitely a lot that, that's given to us, like the drive for po- productivity. I feel like that's kind of given to us by society, um, or at least like Western society in the environment I experience, I shouldn't speak for all societies. Um, yeah, so I, I, I hear that. Well, and I, I mean, in a, in the same vein too, I made a decision about a month ago that I really was going to start prioritizing my health and my relationship with my body. I've been saying it for a long time, but not really taking the steps and actions. And it's been interesting to notice as I've made it more conscious and tracking metrics, um, how much before too, I would get wrapped around, well, it has to be solved now. Like if I want to lose 150 pounds, it has to be tomorrow. And there's been this freedom in recognizing like, this is not something that has to be solved now. This gets to take time and it deserves to take time. And there's been this almost like laying down these weapons for me of like going, Hey, it's okay. It doesn't have to happen on a specific timeline. You're making these changes so that it can evolve and be something that's part of your lifestyle. And so that's okay that it takes time. And that's really been powerful for me (laughs) because it's not something I I have tolerated very well in the past, which is probably why I've avoided it because I'm like, well, I can't get there like this. So what, what's the point of even trying? So I think that that's been a really interesting internal kind of conversation I've been having too around letting that change. So I love the, how you frame that too, of a priority of rest and self-care and bringing that into the mix. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear the desire for like instant shifts or instant changes with values. Like, okay, I made this decision. I'm going to you know, um, kind of lean into this way of living or, um, you know, alter some of my patterns here and there. And, and then wanting that instant change, I, I feel that in a lot of areas of my life. And um, I, I like how you kind of reminded, just kind of brought it back to like, you know, shifting values and shifting the ways that we approach life is a slow lifelong process that's constantly happening it's like a sundial and you're slowly moving along it it's not like um uh, you know instant 180 or something like that we're just kind of moving moving the sundial along yeah well and I think what I just I just had this thought too something that has changed for me or that I am actively so 
here, sorry. Um, something that has changed for me um, or that I have been allowing to change is I always had this, I've always had a concept of like, life is precious, we could die tomorrow. And my career and vocation, for whatever reason, like wanting to impact and influence has been huge, massive since I was little. And, um, and for whatever reason, I had this like, thing, I've got to figure it out, because I could die tomorrow, I've got to figure it out, because I could die tomorrow. And it's almost like I've made peace with like, okay, I'm going to die when I'm going to die. Me not doing X, Y, or Z that puts me towards or more productive, whatever, um, towards that goal. Like I'm going to accomplish what I need to accomplish while I'm here. And I'm going to be a good steward of my time because I have that integrity. So just making that peace almost of going like, you don't have to, this is not like the end all be all. So what do you want this moment to look like? What is it really that you want to take away from this time with this person in front of you and really slowing down and being more present instead of looking for this, you know, for a long time, it was purpose. Like, what is my purpose? What does that look like? And chasing that and wanting to have this, I feel like there's this big vision that's still not clear to me and wanting to get there before I'm ready. I feel like I've been doing this though, but I want, I want, I really want to acknowledge this here and now, like this for me, that journey, it's still ongoing. It will remain ongoing because I think our purpose changes. Um, but I have been having that battle for over a decade, like literally <laughs> of the last 10 years have been very strenuous internally over those things. And I only now feel like I'm like, you know what? it I'll solve it when I solve it and it doesn't have to take up so much space so giving myself that permission to also shift um has been such a gift because I don't feel so enamored with solving it so I guess too going back to that you know people come for solutions about wanting to fix it or move past it and I think something else that has really changed for me or been a big gift to is being curious why is something even when you know we're feeling like in that pit of your stomach like something's not right being curious around what does that mean for me and not judging it and thinking well I should do this I should shift into that because it's the right thing quote unquote or that person will be upset or whatever, instead just slowing down and going, well, what does this actually mean for me? And where's this coming from? And, and what do I want this to look like integrity with who I am and how I want to feel? Mm -hmm. I, I'm really glad you brought up the non-judgment part, because I feel like that's so important in mindfulness and noticing how we're feeling. And I, I wasn't thinking of that earlier, but like, that's, it's really hard to figure out our values and what's important to us if we're looking at our own lives and our own feelings from a place of judgment, um, you know, intense judgment, whether that be from a lens of perfection or, you know, certain goals that someone might have. Um, it, if someone is looking at it with that curiosity, it opens a lot more doors to learning about ourselves and to um, leaning into our values without thinking about how we feel like we should be. Um, yeah, I, I definitely was really goal oriented too, where I was like, all right, I, like I told people after graduating college, I'm going to own my own business at some point. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to own a marketing business. I didn't do that at all, but um, uh, I, I feel like I had, I was like, I got to have a, a solution, a goal. I got to have this thing I'm working towards. And then when I slowly slowed down over time, I'm like, I'm always going to be working towards this. This is ongoing. Like, it, you know, I don't have to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And there's probably not one thing I'm supposed to be doing. There's a ton of options out there that could be a good fit. Um, I get to choose 
this is like getting into how I look at love too. Like, I don't believe there's one job soulmate or one like, um, you know, work soulmate or what we're supposed to do, like in order to live into our values, there's so many different ways that it could go. It's just what we choose and what aligns with our life at that time. And um, it's like a conscious decision, but, but I feel like, you know, you, you definitely have to feel compelled towards it, but we don't have to maybe be so focused on the one right thing that we need to be doing. There's more than one right thing we can be doing and it, it can take time. We don't have to figure it out right now. And um, I feel like I've always been really work motivated and work oriented in definitely with my dad's passing and like, and, you know, having some other things going on in our lives, like it's altered how I want to spend my time and my values. And that like, I've, I've stepped away from work and put a little bit less pressure on myself. I feel like I've, I call myself a recovering perfectionist yeah. <laughs> sometimes, but um, I, I've stepped away to focus on some other areas of my life that feel really important, like relationships and um, community and different things like that, that um, I don't know. I just feel I felt that kind of the carpe diem, like you've got to live each day, you could die any day. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And I don't know when, maybe it was around the time of my dad's passing or something like that. But it was like, I don't feel that pressure. I feel the pressure to like live each day to the fullest and enjoy it. But I don't feel this pressure to be as productive or to have a certain goal at the end of each day. It's just that I, I want to feel like what I'm doing feels right for me um and that maybe I'm you know in between all the other emotions that I'm finding some joy in there too yeah that's beautiful I love that well Megan where can people find you um and where do you hang out online um probably the best place is Instagram uh, under Myers coaching and counseling and um I kind of link off to the coaching and the counseling in that space. And then I also have a website, MyersCareerCoaching.com. How do you spell Myers? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I get it like the soap a lot and it's not like the soap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's M-Y-E-R-S. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Thanks for being here with me and for chatting. And I always enjoy spending time with you. So I'm really grateful for you. Yeah, I'm grateful for your presence and thank you for uh, sharing so openly. I think hearing you share openly helps me share more openly. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I am. Um, yeah. I, I, it's uncomfortable sometimes, but I, I found for me personally that it also, when people are open, um, it helps me feel more known to myself too. So that's a hope that I have for that people would just feel more expanded, more, more, um, able to just be who they are, whatever that looks Mm -hmm. like. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, thanks so much, Megan. Yeah. Good talking to you. See ya. so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed having you along for the ride. And if you want to stay in touch, because you also hate goodbyes like me, um, you can head over to Instagram. That's where I hang out some. My handle's just at Evelyn Fusen. I'd love to connect with you there. Um, and again, I'd love to hear from you by email if you just want to share something that you know, resonated with you or you took away from the episode. I love hearing from you. And finally, if you are enjoying the show and it's something that you feel led to do, I would love for you to leave a review for me wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help get the word out about this podcast. And um, yeah, I would just love to have more people as part of this conversation. I really, really am grateful for you. So until next time.